Pro Rata, where we take just 10 minutes to get you smarter on the collision of tech, business, and politics. I'm Dan Primack. On today's show, why Dropbox paid people to hack Zoom and Silicon Valley tracks COVID-19. But first, Shake Shack serves up its loan. Okay, so let's start this with a confession. I have never eaten at a Shake Shack. Not intentionally, but it's kind of remarkable given how ubiquitous the burger chain has become with nearly 190 locations inside the US, including one not too far from where I live. Anyway, that ubiquitousness, that size, is one reason why many social media commenters got up in arms last week when it was revealed that Shake Shack received $10 million through the Paycheck Protection Program, or PPP, which was the part of the federal stimulus designed to provide loans to small businesses so that they could keep employees on payroll and pay things like utilities and rent. Not only does Shake Shack not feel like a small business, but plenty of legit mom and pop shops got shut out when the PPP's initial $350 billion ran out in the middle of last week. Now, to be clear, there are no allegations of fraud here. Shake Shack legitimately qualified for a PPP loan, thanks to an exemption written in there for big restaurant and hotel chains. But some argue it violated the spirit of the law. What's new is that on Friday, Shake Shack managed to secure $150 million in new capital via alternative means, and this morning announced it's giving back its PPP loan, all $10 million, a decision that Treasury Secretary Steve Mnuchin praised via Twitter. So let's dig into that give back decision with Shake Shack founder and chairman Danny Meyer, who's also CEO of a separate restaurant group called Union Square Hospitality. So Danny, can you start with the reason that Shake Shack applied for the PPP loan in the first place? What was the idea what that $10 million was going to allow you guys to do? Well, the hope was the same thing for Shake Shack as it would be for any restaurant, whether it's a mom and pop bakery or a you know, a fancy restaurant or a chain or whatever, which is try to keep as many people employed for as long as possible. If this virus has taught us any one thing, it's that there's no restaurant in the country that is not unsinkable. The fact that we all had to close immediately because the very thing we do, bringing people together is the very thing that is the most dangerous thing you can do, has brought everyone to their knees. And so when the government issued the care package with the PPP plan, it was a good thing. And the right thing to do was to apply for it. The, the challenge came last week when it was made clear that the government had run out of money. And we know so many really, really small businesses that were not even getting their applications accepted. It just didn't feel like the right thing, ultimately, once we learned that, to keep the money. And so we made a, a tough choice, but the right choice to return it. Do you think you guys had an advantage getting your PPP loan because you are a large organization that's got finance functions and CFOs and you know a lot of people who could get the paperwork together really fast, plus kind of big existing relationships with banks as opposed to, say, a mom and pop or a small restaurateur who might not have all that back office? There's absolutely no question. And one of the things that, uh, you know, when I co-wrote with Randy Garuti, who's the CEO of Shake Shack, we wrote a, uh, a piece last night, which we sent out on LinkedIn and Twitter, we made that case and we, we said, look, the notion of getting restaurants back up on their feet is crucial to the entire economy in this country. And it's not trying to pit one restaurant against another, one size against another, but it's very, very clear that in order for the PPP plan to work, not only does it need to have much more funding, but you can't make it impossible for a restaurant just because they don't have a pre-existing loan relationship with a bank you can't make it impossible for them to get in line. And so one of our suggestions for the next round of the funding is that the government, if they're going to be using banks to do the funding, which is great, is to assign a local bank for every business that is eligible 
so they don't have to climb mountains just to even get in line. I mean, imagine if you were trying to get a driver's license, but the only way you could get in line was to drive a car to the DMV, but you're not allowed to drive a car yet because you don't have your license. That's kind of what this was like for people. You obviously have two different companies, Shake Shack and then Union Square. Union Square, which is much more kind of sit-down, higher-end restaurants for the most part. Can you give a sense on the Shake Shack side what this has meant for business in terms of kind of fall-off of traffic? Obviously, I could still go get a burger and fries in a bag, but what has this actually meant? It's hurt Shake Shack's business just as much as anyone else's. Shake Shack, on the other hand, has a team of people who have been willing to keep almost all the restaurants open because they've shifted to a full-time model of curbside pickup and or delivery, or actually having their burgers shipped on Gold Belly to people across the country. So Shake Shack has been able to retain some of its revenue sources, but operating is still at a loss right now. And so, you know, I think one of the things people don't understand about restaurants is that you need, the margins are thin enough that you need to be pretty much operating at capacity relative to your fixed costs. And so I think, you know, getting back to your first question, I think Shake Shack absolutely did the right thing to apply for the loans. But when it was clear that this program was not funded adequately and that that other businesses that didn't have access to banking and the capital markets were being shut out, then it was absolutely the right choice to return those loans. And I'm really proud of the team for arriving at that conclusion. There was two parts of the CARES Act that involved loans to businesses. There was the PPP, and then there was this kind of middle market, they call it a middle market lending program, which hasn't been completely defined, but that was for companies with more than 500 employees. And obviously, as I said in the intro, which you weren't on for, you, you guys applied for PPP in part because there was an explicit carve out for large restaurant chains and large hotel chains in PPP. Why though go for that as opposed to go for one of these bigger loans for larger companies, since you guys theoretically could have applied for that too, correct? Yeah, I can't really answer that question, Dan, because I don't know enough about the Main Street Fed loan program. And I think that there's been so much confusion because these acts are literally being written in real time and digested in real time by restaurant companies. And I think that the PPP program was released, if I'm not mistaken, sooner than the Main Street loan program. And so that's what Shake Shack applied for. It was explicit in the PPP program that you should apply as a restaurant if you have fewer than 500 employees per location, which of course is just about every restaurant in America. I don't think I've ever been to a restaurant with 500 employees per location. I wonder, the decision you guys made today to give back the loan, do you believe that's going to put pressure on other large restaurant chains that have kind of been mentioned in the same breath as Shake Shack over the past week to do the same? Yeah, the status is that we've had most of our loans, but not all of our loans approved, and we need them. And we don't have the means to go to the capital markets and sell off a portion of our company in order to raise money. And with respect to private equity, it's true that we have private equity investors who are minority investors in the company, but our employees need this help. We have laid off 2,000 people. We've closed all of our restaurants. We have no revenue at this point at Union Square Hospitality Group. And we're doing everything we possibly can to get to the other side of this and get our places back open so that we can rehire people. And that's what the PPP plan was established for. Danny Meyer, Shake Shack, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Dan. My final two right after this. 
Axios Chief Technology Correspondent Ina Fried shares breaking news and analysis on the most consequential companies and players in tech, from the Valley to DC. Subscribe to get smarter faster at signup.axios.com. And now, back to the ProRata Podcast. Now it's time for my final two. And first up is Dropbox, which in 2018 began quietly offering rewards to hackers to find vulnerabilities in the code of video conferencing giant Zoom. That's according to the New York Times, which says Dropbox was worried that the security holes could compromise Dropbox's own corporate security, given its internal reliance on Zoom. Why it matters is that while Zoom's security issues didn't become well known until after it became America's newest utility, they aren't actually new. And finally, Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg and Instagram co-founders Kevin Systrom and Mike Krieger aren't exactly pals anymore, but they do seem to share an interest in tracking coronavirus. Zuckerberg's Facebook today unveiled county-by-county maps of people with COVID-19 symptoms and plans to update them daily. It also hopes to expand globally, with surveys to launch later this week. The idea is to create a tool for public health officials and government officials to better make decisions on how to reopen schools and businesses, plus how to allocate scarce medical and testing supplies. The Instagram co-founders, meanwhile, launched something called RT.Live, which is a tracker of how fast the virus is spreading in each state. Like with what Facebook is doing, this data could help inform government decisions. It sounds kind of like these two groups should consider a merger again. And we're done. Big thanks for listening. And to my producers, Tim Shovers and Naomi Shaven, have a great Patriots Day for those of you in Massachusetts and a great pineapple upside down cake day for everyone else. And we'll be back tomorrow with another Pro Rata Podcast.